0: Chapters twelve to fourteen of on the eve by ivan torgenev translated by constance garnett this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twelve the conquering hero in Sarov will be here directly he shouted triumphantly going into the stachov's drawing-room where there happened at the instant to be only elena and zoya "Where?" inquired zoya in german when she was taken unawares she always used her native language elena drew herself up shubin looked at her with a playful smile on his lips she felt annoyed but said nothing you heard he repeated mr insarov is coming here i heard she replied and i heard how you spoke of him i am surprised at you indeed mr insarov has not yet set foot in the house and you already think fit to turn him into ridicule shubin was crestfallen at once you are right you are always right elena nikolaevna he muttered but i meant nothing on my honour we have been walking together with him the whole day and he's a capital fellow i assure you i didn't ask your opinion about that commented elena getting up is mr insarov a young man asked zoya he is a hundred and forty-four replied shubin with an air of vexation The page announced the arrival of the two friends. They came in. Bersenyev introduced Insarov. Elena asked him to sit down, and sat down herself, while Zoya went off upstairs. She had to inform Anna Vasilievna of their arrival. A conversation was begun of a rather insignificant kind, like all first conversations. Shubin was silently watching from a corner, but there was nothing to watch in elena he detected signs of a repressed annoyance against him shubin and that was all he looked at bersenyev and at insarov and compared their faces from a sculptor's point of view they are neither of them good-looking he thought the bulgarian has a characteristic face there now it's in a good light the great russian is better adapted for painting there are no lines there's expression but i dare say one might fall in love with either of them she is not in love yet but she will fall in love with bersenyev he decided to himself anna vassilyevna made her appearance in the drawing-room and the conversation took the tone peculiar to summer villas not the country-house tone but the peculiar summer visitor tone it was a conversation diversified by plenty of subjects but broken by short rather wearisome pauses every three minutes in one of these pauses anna vassilyevna turned to zoya Shubin understood her silent hint and drew a long face, while Zoya sat down to the piano and played and sang all her pieces through. Uvar Ivanovitch showed himself for an instant in the doorway, but he beat a retreat, convulsively twitching his fingers. Then tea was served, and then the whole party went out into the garden. It began to grow dark outside, and the guests took leave insarov had really made less impression on elena than she had expected or speaking more exactly he had not made the impression she had expected she liked his directness and unconstraint and she liked his face but the whole character of insarov with his calm firmness and everyday simplicity did not somehow accord with the image formed in her brain by bersenyev's account of him elena though she did not herself suspect it had anticipated something more fateful but she reflected he spoke very little to-day and i am myself to blame for it i did not question him we must have patience till next time and his eyes are expressive honest eyes she felt that she had no disposition to humble herself before him but rather to hold out her hand to him in friendly equality and she was puzzled this was not how she had fancied men like insarov heroes this last word reminded her of shubin and she grew hot and angry as she lay in her bed how did you like your new acquaintances bersenyev inquired of insarov on their way home i like them very much answered insarov especially the daughter she must be a nice girl she is excitable but in her it's a fine kind of excitability.' "'You must go and see them a little oftener,' observed Bersenyev. "'Yes, I must,' said Insarov, and he said nothing more all the way home. He at once shut himself up in his room, but his candle was burning long after midnight. Bersenyev had had time to read a page of Rauma, when a handful of fine gravel came rattling on his window-pane. He could not help starting opening the window he saw shubin as white as a sheet what an irrepressible fellow you are you night moth bersenyev was beginning sh shubin cut him short i have come to you in secret as max went to agata i absolutely must say a few words to you alone come into the room then no that's not necessary replied shubin and he leaned his elbows on the window-sill it's better fun like this more as if we were in spain to begin with i congratulate you you're at a premium now your belauded exceptional man has quite missed fire that i'll guarantee and to prove my impartiality listen here's the sum and substance of mr Insarov. no talents none no poetry any amount of capacity for work an immense memory, an intellect not deep nor varied, but sound and quick, dry as dust, and force, and even the gift of the gab when the talk's about his, between ourselves, let it be said, tedious Bulgaria. What, do you say I am unjust? One remark more, you'll never come to Christian names with him, and none ever has been on such terms with him. I, of course, as an artist, am hateful to him, and I am proud of it dry as dust dry as dust but he can crush all of us to powder he's devoted to his country not like our empty patriots who fawn on the people pour into us they say thou living water but of course his problem is easier more intelligible he is only to drive the turks out a mighty task but all these qualities thank god don't please women there's no fascination no charm about them as there is about you and me why do you bring me in muttered bersenyev and you are wrong in all the rest you are not in the least hateful to him and with his own countrymen, he is on christian name terms that i know that's a different matter for them he's a hero but to make a confession i have a very different idea of a hero a hero ought not to be able to talk a hero should roar like a bull but when he butts with his horns, the walls shake. He ought not to know himself why he butts at things, but just to butt at them. But perhaps, in our days, heroes of a different stamp are needed." "'Why are you so taken up with Insarov?' asked Versenyev. "'Can you have run here only to describe his character to me?' "'I came here,' began Shubin, "'because I was very miserable at home.' "'Oh, that's it!' don't you want to have a cry again you may laugh i came here because i'm at my wits end because i am devoured by despair anger jealousy jealousy of whom of you and him and every one i'm tortured by the thought that if i had understood her sooner if i had set to work cleverly but what's the use of talking it must end by my always laughing playing the fool turning things into ridicule as she says and then setting to and strangling myself stuff you won't strangle yourself observed bersenyev on such a night of course not but only let me live on till the autumn on such a night people do die too but only of happiness ah happiness every shadow that stretches across the road from every tree seems whispering now i know where there is happiness shall i tell you I would ask you to come for a walk, only now you're under the influence of prose. Go to sleep, and may your dreams be visited by mathematical figures. My heart is breaking. You, worthy gentleman, see a man laughing, and that means to your notions he's all right. You can prove to him that he's humbugging himself. That's to say, he is not suffering. God bless you." Shubin abruptly left the window. Anushka, Bersenyev, felt an impulse to shout after him, but he restrained himself. Shubin had really been white with emotion. Two minutes later Bersenyev even caught the sound of sobbing. He got up and opened the window. Everything was still. Only somewhere in the distance someone, a passing peasant probably, was humming the Plain of Mozdok. End of chapter 12 CHAPTER Thirteen. During the first fortnight of Insarov's stay in the Kunsovo neighbourhood, he did not visit the Stachovs more than four or five times. Bersenyev went to see them every day. Elena was always pleased to see him, lively and interesting talk always sprang up between them, and yet he often went home with a gloomy face. Shubin scarcely showed himself. He was working with feverish energy at his art. He either stayed locked up in his room, from which he would emerge in a blouse smeared all over with clay, or else he spent days in Moscow, where he had a studio, to which models and Italian sculptors, his friends and teachers, used to come to see him. Elena did not once succeed in talking with Insarov, as she would have liked to do. In his absence she prepared questions to ask him about many things, but when he came she felt ashamed of her plans. Insarov's very tranquillity embarrassed her. It seemed to her that she had not the right to force him to speak out, and she resolved to wait. For all that, she felt that at every visit, however trivial might be the words that passed between them, he attracted her more and more. But she never happened to be left alone with him, and to grow intimate with any one one must have at least one conversation alone with him. She talked a great deal about him to Bersenyev, Bersenyev realized that Elena's imagination had been struck by Insarov, and was glad that his friend had not "missed fire," as Shubin had asserted. He told her cordially all he knew of him, down to the minutest details (we often, when we want to please some one, bring our friends into our conversation, hardly ever suspecting that we are praising ourselves in that way), and only at times, when Elena's pale cheeks flushed a little, and her eyes grew bright and wide he felt a pang in his heart of that evil pain which he had felt before one day bersenyev came to the Stachovs, not at the customary time but at 11 o'clock in the morning elena came down to him in the parlor fancy he began with a constrained smile our insarov has disappeared disappeared said elena he has disappeared the day before yesterday he went off somewhere, and nothing has been seen of him since he did not tell you where he was going. No Elena sank into a chair. He has most likely gone to Moscow. She commented, trying to seem indifferent and at the same time wondering that she should try to seem indifferent. I don't think so. Rejoined Bersenyev. He did not go alone with whom then two people of some sort his countrymen they must have been—came to him the day before yesterday, before dinner." "'Bulgarians! What makes you think so?' "'Why, as far as I could hear, they talked to him in some language I did not know, but Slavonic. You are always saying, Elena Nikolaevna, that there's so little mystery about Insarov. What could be more mysterious than this visit? Imagine, they came to him, and then there was shouting and quarrelling, and such savage, angry disputing. And he shouted, too. He shouted, too? Yes, he shouted at them. They seemed to be accusing each other. And if you could have had a peep at these visitors! They had swarthy, heavy faces, with high cheekbones and hook-noses, both about forty years old, shabbily dressed, hot and dusty, looking like workmen—not workmen and not gentlemen—goodness knows what sort of people they were! And he went away with them? "'Yes, he gave them something to eat and went off with them. "'The woman of the house told me they ate a huge whole pot of porridge between the two of them. "'They outdid one another,' she said, and gobbled it up like wolves.' Elena gave a faint smile. "'You will see,' she said. "'All this will be explained into something very prosaic.' "'I hope it may. "'But you need not use that word. "'There is nothing prosaic about Insarov, though Shubin does maintain—' shubin elena broke in shrugging her shoulders but you must confess these two good men gobbling up porridge even themistocles had his supper on the eve of salamis observed bersenyev with a smile yes but then there was a battle the next day anyway you will let me know when he comes back said elena and she tried to change the subject but the conversation made little progress zoya made her appearance and began walking about the room on tiptoe giving them thereby to understand that Anna Vasilievna was not yet awake. Bersenyev went away. In the evening of the same day, a note from him was brought to Elena. "'He has come back,' he wrote to her, sunburnt and dusty to his very eyebrows, but where and why he went, I don't know. Won't you find out?' "'Won't you find out?' Elena whispered, as though he talked to me. End of chapter 13 CHAPTER Fourteen. The next day, at two o'clock, Elena was standing in the garden before a small kennel, where she was rearing two puppies. A gardener had found them deserted under a hedge, and brought them to the young mistress, being told by the laundry-maids that she took pity on beasts of all sorts. He was not wrong in his reckoning. Elena had given him a quarter rouble. She looked into the kennel, assured herself that the puppies were alive and well, and that they had been provided with fresh straw, turned round, and almost uttered a cry. Down an alley, straight towards her, was walking Insarov alone. "'Good morning,' he said, coming up to her and taking off his cap. She noticed that he certainly had got much sunburnt during the last three days.' i meant to have come here with andrei petrovitch but he was rather slow in starting so here i am without him there is no one in your house they are all asleep or out of doors so i came on here you seem to be apologising replied elena there's no need to do that we are always very glad to see you let us sit here on the bench in the shade she seated herself insarov sat down near her "'You have not been at home these last days, I think?' she began. "'No,' he answered. "'I went away. Did Andrei Petrovitch tell you?' Insarov looked at her, smiled, and began playing with his cap. When he smiled, his eyes blinked and his lips puckered up, which gave him a very good-humoured appearance. "'Andrei Petrovitch most likely told you, too, that I went away with some... unattractive people,' he said, still smiling. Elena was a little confused, but she felt at once that insarov must always be told the truth. Yes, she said decisively. What did you think of me? he asked her suddenly. Elena raised her eyes to him. I thought, she said, I thought that you always know what you're doing and you are incapable of doing anything wrong. Well, thanks for that. You see, Elena Nikolaevna, he began, coming closer to her in a confidential way,—there is a little family of our people here. Among us there are men of little culture, but all are warmly devoted to the common cause. Unluckily one can never get on without dissensions, and they all know me and trust me, so they sent for me to settle a dispute. I went. Was it far from here? I went about fifty miles to the Troitsky district. "'There, near the monastery, there are some of our people. At any rate, my trouble was not thrown away. I settled the matter.' "'And had you much difficulty?' "'Yes. One was obstinate through everything. He did not want to give back the money.' "'What, was the dispute over money?' "'Yes, and a small sum of money, too. What did you suppose?' "'And you travelled over fifty miles for such trifling matters, wasted three days?' They are not trifling matters, Elena Nikolaevna, when my countrymen are involved. It would be wicked to refuse in such cases. I see here that you don't refuse help even to puppies, and I think well of you for it. And as for the time I have lost, that's no great harm. I will make it up later. Our time does not belong to us. To whom does it belong, then? Why, to all who need us i have told you all this on the spur of the moment because i value your good opinion i can fancy how andrey petrovitch must have made you wonder you value my good opinion said elena in an undertone why insarov smiled again because you are a good young lady not an aristocrat that's all a short silence followed dmitri Nikanorovitch," said elena Do you know that this is the first time you have been so unreserved with me? How's that? I think I have always said everything I thought to you. No, this is the first time, and I am very glad, and I too want to be open with you. May I? Insarov began to laugh, and said, You may. I warn you, I am very inquisitive. Never mind, tell me andrei petrovitch has told me a great deal of your life of your youth i know of one event one awful event i know you travelled afterwards in your own country don't answer me for goodness sake if you think my question indiscreet but i am fretted by one idea tell me did you meet that man elena caught her breath she felt both shame and dismay at her own audacity insarov looked at her intently slightly knitting his brows and stroking his chin with his fingers elena nikolaevna he began at last and his voice was much lower than usual which almost frightened elena i understand what man you are referring to no i did not meet him and thank god i did not i did not try to find him i did not try to find him not because i did not think i had a right to kill him i would kill him with a very easy conscience but because now is not the time for private revenge, when we are concerned with the general national vengeance, or, no, that is not the right word, when we are concerned with the liberation of a people, the one would be a hindrance to the other. In its own time that too will come, that too will come, he repeated, and he shook his head. Elena looked at him from the side. You love your country very dearly, she articulated timidly. That remains to be shown, he answered. When one of us dies for her, then one can say he loved his country. So that if you were cut off from all chance of returning to Bulgaria, continued Elena, would you be very unhappy in Russia? Insarov looked down. I think I could not bear that, he said. Tell me, Elena began again, is it difficult to learn Bulgarian? not at all it's a disgrace to a russian not to know bulgarian a russian ought to know all the slavonic dialects would you like me to bring you some bulgarian books you will see how easy it is what ballads we have equal to the servian but stop a minute i will translate to you one of them it is about but you know a little of our history at least don't you no i know nothing of it answered elena wait a little and i will bring you a book you will learn the principal facts at least from it listen to the ballad then but i had better bring you a written translation though i am sure you will love us you love all the oppressed if you knew what a land of plenty ours is and meanwhile it has been downtrodden, it has been ravaged he went on with an involuntary movement of his arm and his face darkened we have been robbed of everything everything our churches our laws our lands THE UNCLEAN TURKS DRIVE US LIKE CATTLE, BUTCHER US. Nikonorovitch Nikanorovitch CRIED ELENA. HE STOPPED. I beg your pardon, I can't speak of this coolly. But you asked me just now whether I love my country. What else can one love on earth? What is the one thing unchanging? What is above all doubts? What is it, next to God, one must believe in? And when that country need—think, the poorest peasant— The poorest beggar in Bulgaria, and I, have the same desire. All of us have one aim. You can understand what strength, what confidence that gives." Insarov was silent for an instant. Then he began again to talk of Bulgaria. Elena listened to him with absorbed, profound, and mournful attention. When he had finished, she asked him once more, "'Then you would not stay in Russia for anything?' and when he went away, for a long time she gazed after him. On that day he had become a different man for her. When she walked back with him through the garden, he was no longer the man she had met two hours before. From that day he began to come more and more often, and Bersenyev less and less often. A strange feeling began to show up between the two friends, of which they were both conscious, but to which they could not give a name. And which they feared to analyze. In this way, a month passed. End of chapter fourteen.